unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And we thank you for listening, hitting that play button once again, dropping the podcast a little bit later in the week than normal, but we are here and ready to chat. And by the way, the man's voice you heard introducing me is back on the show again. My good friend Jay Cresswell from Caleb 98.7 in Dallas. He's program director there. He will join me to talk about uh, sports and uh, the lack of sports and uh, some non-sports items as well. We'll chat about the uh, the fact the NBA and NHL have plans on coming back. And Major League Baseball is spitting the bit <laughs> and fighting over money at a time which nobody wants to really hear about all that. We'll have that conversation plus a TV tune for you from a uh, 90s hit sitcom coming up in just a little bit. Meanwhile... You know, lots of uh, things going wrong in the world with the coronavirus. And uh, now, you know, we've unfortunately have seen the tough injustices done to George Floyd, um, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor at the hands of police brutality. And now the NFL, Roger Goodell coming out and saying that they were wrong for not listening earlier. And encouraging all to peacefully protest. As you know, Colin Kaepernick in 2016, with kneeling at the national anthem, really raised quite a stir. And it was very political and polarizing. And while we don't do a lot of the politics and things like that on this show, I did state at the time that, you know, he had a right to do it. That's what this country is founded on, is having rights to do things that uh, were done in a peaceful manner. And while I did not agree with him doing it during the national anthem, he still had a right to do it. And I wouldn't come out and say that, you know, you, you can't, to me, you couldn't, you know, hold that against him. And now the NFL is opening their eyes a little bit. You know, uh, Adrian Peterson said that all players now in the NFL will be kneeling. And Goodell came out and had these words. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encouraging all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much-needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. Those, of course, the words from Commissioner Roger Goodell. And Drew Brees had to walk back statements that, although to me they were not, basically he probably should have been more sensitive when he was saying that, you know, disrespecting the flag, he doesn't stand for that in any way, shape, or form. You know, after getting called out, called out by his own teammates for 
his remarks has walked them back and apologizes and admits needing more education. And, you know, we all need to be more educated. We all need to be better. That's just the bottom line. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast a good friend of the program. He's the PD at uh, 98.7 Caleb in Dallas, Texas, Jay Cresswell. Jay, how are you, sir? I'm well, Jeff. I appreciate you having me back. Uh, it's been a while, and things have certainly changed since the last time we spoke. Yeah, and the last time we spoke, last we left, uh, was uh, not on the podcast, but uh, Joe Finger and I made the trek over to meet you in beautiful Dunedin, Florida. We had originally planned to uh, check out a spring training game, but... Uh, uh, sports uh, shut down two days prior, but we decided to get together and have lunch anyway. And uh, boy, how surreal is to think it's almost uh, three months to the day. <laughs> and, I know. and it seems and like the, the seems last like, time any of us were in a restaurant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it seems like six, <laughs> you know? I know. Restaurant, my goodness. But yeah, that, that was, that was uh, even the end of that week was strange. I've been at a baseball game that Thursday, the 12th. And we all knew that that was going to be it. And we knew that the NBA had ceased the night before, and the NHL immediately postponed the rest of their games. And that was to be the last baseball game. And I was with friends in Bradenton, uh, and uh, that was it. And here we are. In a week, it'll be three months, and nothing has happened. Yeah, it's <laughs> it is totally crazy. And, of course... You know, you work in the radio business, which has been heavily impacted by everything that is going on, and uh, you guys have a sports station in your cluster. Um, yep. So, so tell me, because I'm one of these guys who likes to know how the soup is made, and you know, and I know uh, how much remote work is going into how you guys put your products on the air in in all your formats. Well, it depends on the station and the format, but for the most part. Uh, Everyone has been broadcasting from home. Uh, now, mind you, someone still needs to be there from the controls or make sure we're on the air. But thanks to technology, uh, there's these units called Comrex Access Units, which are it's basically an internet feed that goes directly to the studio at the radio station. And there's very little delay, even though it's digital. And it does sound like you're out doing a live broadcast as opposed to in a perfect studio. But in the business, I think we tend to overthink that. And your average listener probably doesn't notice that or even care. Mm -hmm. All they know is that you're delivering the information they want or what their expectation is of what you do. Now, I'll give you an example. Uh, My radio station, we play 80s and 90s music, basically some 70s music, too. And... For two months, only our morning show producer was in the studio, and the other two members of our morning show were doing their show from home, and our midday show is recorded from New Jersey, and our afternoon show is uh, pre-recorded from her home, Hmm. and you know what? It sounds okay, (laughs) and I'm at home, and I can program the music and everything else that goes with it. And all the people that schedule the commercials, they're doing that from home. Uh, all the people that do the websites and the digital things and the streaming, they're doing that from home. And I think what we've learned here uh, 
is that we can continue to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and other than multi-person shows, which you would find on a morning show or a news station or a sports station for sure, uh, I don't know if people are ever coming back in, mm. quite frankly. Um, certainly, when, like we have a three-person morning show, the chemistry of being in the room together and eye contact and seeing each other is key to how they do the, you know, do the show. But even when they were remote, they were on some Facebook feature where they could see each other and they could talk between breaks about what they were going to talk about. So it was fairly seamless. Now, that's how the soup's made, and it's, it's, it's a lot better than I ever thought it was going to be. But part of the thing is, people are not going to work. Yeah. You know, we already know the unemployment numbers, but people are working from home or they're not going to work at all. So what does that do to radio in general? Is people aren't getting up at 5 and 6 in the morning and putting on the radio or getting in the car and turning on the radio and listening on their commute into work, and they're not at work listening all day in the background, and they're not in the car coming home listening to it. And so what has happened is over the past two months or so, the peak listening for radio starts at about 11.30 in the morning now instead of 7 in the morning. Hmm. And it kind of got pushed to later in the day. And the challenge for those of us in the broadcasting industry is to get those people back in the habit if and when they go back to work. Mm. Now, the one thing we have at our uh, advantage are smart speakers. And smart speakers are basically radios in your home. No matter what room you have it in, you can use it as an alarm clock. You can use it as a radio. You can stream any kind of music you want. But we have to convince people that that's what they should use to listen to us. And that's a tough battle because there are so many other choices out there. Yeah. Well, you brought up something interesting, too, because you, you said the one word, technology. You know, If this happened 20 years ago, everybody's oh, ha- everybody has to go in, <laughs> more or less. Yeah, yes, exactly. And what, what, you know, my morning show... Uh, I had to kick them out of the building basically in late March Um, because, you know, their chemistry and the ability to take phone calls from listeners is key on their show, Mm -hmm. as it would be on any sports show for sure. Um, And by having one person left in the building, he's able to answer the phones and they can still hear it even though they're at their houses and interact with the callers. So technology took care of that. One of my sister stations... They're a person that works in the middle of the day from 10 to 3. She's been doing the show from Kansas City this whole time. She had gone there because she has a house there, and this happened when she was there. Mm. So she's still there, and she's been doing her show from Kansas City for three months, and she's able to take phone calls as well and interact with listeners. So technology to the rescue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, sports now is uh, starting to uh, peer beyond the blanket of you know, looking over like, okay, we're starting to come back. The NBA's got a plan now that they'll come to Orlando and play in a bubble and uh, have a championship in October. The NHL's working on a plan. Major League Baseball, however, is still fighting over it. And beyond me, I cannot get over the fact that the, both the players and the owners 
are really kind of digging their heels in over something that uh, their fan base, when people are, you know, jobless and, you know, worrying about money and things like that, that the rich people are fighting over their money. And it's it's really a black eye, in my opinion. Agree a thousand percent. Um, I'm a first and foremost fan of baseball. And the, today when we're recording this, is the anniversary of the first time I ever went to a Major League Baseball game. Oh, wow. What was your and first I, game? I won't tell you how many years ago it was, <laughs> although that answer's 55. Um, I saw the Pirates beat the Mets at Forbes Field 9 to nothing. Vernon Law threw a shutout. Willie Stargell had three hits and Roberto Clemente had two. <laughs> and today is the anniversary of that. And it sickens me and others uh, what's going on between the owners and the players in Major League Baseball. And, you know, I'm not going to take sides. It's billionaires arguing with millionaires. And we need them now. But maybe this is what needs to happen to fix the baseball system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it fixed hockey in 04, 05 when they missed an entire season. And between the owners and the Players Association, they came up with a plan and the magic word is salary cap, <laughs> so that everybody was on the same footing. And that is why hockey is as exciting as it can be. That is why there's only been one repeat champion since then. And that is why every year, you never know, just like last year, St. Louis was in last place in January. They won the Stanley Cup in early June. I think that's what baseball may need. Uh, they didn't solve it in 94, but perhaps baseball needs, a, and excuse the expression, baseball needs an enema <laughs> of be getting over itself and maybe some time off or a season missed is what needs to happen. I hate to say that, but it could be what needs to happen. Yeah, it's interesting to note that, uh, you know, they're, they're bickering over the amount of games, the amount of money. Um, and then I, I've also come to understand that uh, the state of Texas would actually could potentially have fans to bring yes. in revenue. So that's- yeah, I saw that. And does that present an unfair advantage? Yeah. Uh, that's the rhetorical question out there. Um, the other, you'll love this. I mean, the Rangers have a brand new park, Globe Life Field. It's beautiful. Uh, and of course, it's not being used right now. And someone came up with this question today. If the roof is closed, does that mean we allow fewer people in the stadium? Hmm. Yeah. Because it's the. Versus an open air stadium. Yeah, that's a good point. And we mentioned it on the radio this morning, and we just hope that the folks at the Rangers didn't hear that and went, oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't think of that. But yeah. can you imagine? What an unfair advantage that would be for a team to be able to have their fans in when the others cannot. Yeah, and and think about that contrast, too, because the whole idea of having uh, a roof was to beat the Texas heat. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to swing that over to the NFL. How about this? The teams were allowing uh, the employees to come, or the NFL allowed the employees to go back to work today. Uh, you know, coaching staff and trainers and things like that. The 49ers are not allowed to. And where does that put them? 
Mm-hmm. It, is that unfair? Do they have an unfair disadvantage versus the rest of the league because they can't go get started now like everyone else? That's a rhetorical question again, but maybe it's true. Yeah, no, and it's a, and, and, and everything that comes out with this situation on, you know, trying to formulate plans to come back is each question probably spurns another 10 as to, oh, absolutely. Okay, you know, okay, well, we got to do this and then we got to do this and how do we handle that? So it's, it, it is absolutely crazy. So the NBA trying to do the bubble and they'll be here in Orlando at Disney World with uh, 22 teams. They'll play a mini finish of the season to do uh, uh, playoff seating and, and uh, finish things out. What are your thoughts on a, uh, a quote-unquote bubble environment? I think it's the thing to do. I think they chose the right place. We all know the facility is awesome. We all know there are enough hotel rooms and facilities to quarantine anybody that needs to be quarantined or keep them in their own little bubble there. I think the NBA did itself right by having, I believe it's 13 teams from the West and nine from the East. Instead of making it balanced, they took the 22 best teams in the league. And they're going to go there and play and get their playoff seating and go to work. Uh, again, I think the NBA is on the cutting edge of how things should be done. Yeah, and you know they were the first to uh, the, pull the plug uh, as yeah. well. So they seem to be a step ahead of everybody else. NHL, they're getting close to uh, coming up with a, with a deal. They're, they basically would just start uh, with the playoffs. And um, have you heard, are they going to have a structured environment, or will they be working at their at their home uh, home stadiums? As of now, there are still eight possible cities where they would choose, of which they would choose two, and those two would host all the teams, half in one, half in the other, nobody playing in their home city. And if you look at, you know, in the east, it was uh, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Toronto were the three in the east uh, possible locations. They were chosen for, you know, how many facilities they had, health care, hotel rooms. But if you're going to talk about the ability to live in a bubble and have as many rooms and facilities as is needed, Las Vegas is your answer, mm-hmm. um, including the arena there is half-owned by one of the casinos. So literally attached to the arena are thousands of hotel rooms and suites where the teams could be. So for now, it looks as if they're going to choose two of the eight cities remaining, half the teams in one place and half in the other place, and start with this play-in tournament that they have. Um, I'm iffy on that. It's 24 teams, and you'll notice, you know, some of the teams involved in the play-in would not have been any even sniffed the playoffs had everything continued as it had, but. Three of those teams are the Rangers and the Canadians, and I have forgotten the third team, Chicago. The Rangers, the Canadians, and Chicago, conveniently huge markets. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that'll help with television and advertising revenue. It'll certainly help with the, an overall raw number and fan base, but there are three teams that would not have been anywhere near the playoffs, and they're going to be in the play-in round. So... You know, if everything works out according to uh, the fates, those three teams will lose in their play-in round. <laughs> but you know what? It's pretty even now, too, because everyone has been off for three months. 
teams that had injury problems, those have been solved. Those guys are coming back. I mean, Tarasenko's coming back for St. Louis. He's their best player. Jake Gensel is coming back for Pittsburgh. He's a 40-goal scorer and a playoff star. Um, some of these teams are getting their best people back just in time for this. So you've got the play-in rounds where five plays 12 and six plays 11, and those are going to be best-of-five series. And after that, everything will be reseeded, and they will be best-of-seven series all the way through the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that could uh, definitely be uh, quite an interesting arrangement, and we'll see how that uh, how that comes about. And think about this: you know, if you if the if the NFL and college football are able to start on time, boy, is our sports calendar in September and October going to be juicy? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make up for the last three months. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you won't know what to watch. The DVRs will be burning up. Yeah. You'll have every sport going at once. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm thinking that uh, you know networks are probably going to have to make deals with yeah. you know use all their besides using all their uh, basically their their sister networks and all that they're going to be having to parcel and package a lot of this stuff out and it'll be interesting you know because golf is going to be you know you're talking about the Masters being later in the year which is another yep. amazing aspect and with golf being on you know mostly CBS and NBC there will be some conflicts there as well so. Uh, it'll be fun, but it also might be difficult. So, by the way, did you watch the uh, the Tiger, Phil, Peyton, and uh, Brady golf match? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, I don't watch a lot. I, mean, I love golf. I love to play it. I don't watch a lot on TV unless it's one of the majors for the most part. But that was pure entertainment. I'm glad it took them five hours to show it, <laughs> and it spilled over. And I'm glad they had them mic'd up. And it was as entertaining as it gets. And especially when you see that Tom Brady is actually human. <laughs> and although he did have that one shot that was the best shot of the, of the tournament, it was just great television and I mean, people that don't even care about golf watch that. Yeah, and and I thought it was very interesting too because I mean, with the weather being such a factor early on, it's like, oh no, they may even, may not even play, and they, you know, I got to give them props for going out in that slop. <laughs> yeah, I, and it would have been so twenty twenty for that to have been rained out, or yeah. there have been lightning to you know make them stop it, and I'm I'm sure they realized they had to go through with it no matter how sloppy it got, and I think they did a great job. Yeah, and I thought the interesting aspect, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, Charles Barkley adding him to a broadcast is such a great wild card. Uh, you, know, it, 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 you know, I like seeing some of that kind of, because he knows how to talk to the to, to guys and, and basically give them the business. <laughs> I love it when he said, hey guys, it's Charles Barkley, and someone posted on social media, we know who you are. <laughs> you don't need to say your name. <laughs> That's terrible, right? <laughs> That's terrible. But that was definitely entertaining, and uh, you know, and you can see why the networks want Peyton Manning because that guy is gold. <laughs> oh my goodness, he's just so sharp and funny. Yeah, he is undoubtedly just has has a good sense of humor. Just knows when to say the right thing at the right time, and uh, you know that's interesting too because. Uh, you, I wanted to kind of circle into this uh, Monday Night Football. You know, they're going to bump the Testator Booger pairing and uh, get that uh, out of the way and come up with a new crew. 
And obviously, they wanted Peyton Manning. They wanted Tony Romo. CBS wasn't going to let. And I didn't see CBS letting him go. By the way, I just, that would have oh, yeah. that that would have been just a huge mistake. So, what do they do now? Because you know, again, the Monday Night Football product. You know, the you know Frank Gifford and Howard Cosell and Danny Don aren't walking through the door. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you're right, and you know the the talk is that. Whoever it is is going to come from inside ESPN. But who is that? Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised there haven't been polls. Maybe there have been uh, online, you know, which ESPN personality slash talent slash announcer would you like to see on Monday Night Football? Or maybe they've already got someone lined up and they're just waiting to tell us. I don't know. Um, I just think it, whatever it is, it will be an improvement. And uh, I, they have a better uh, possible lineup of games, too, after they release the schedule. So both, I think, Monday and Thursday night got some better games this year. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, Steve Levy has been talked about for play-by-play on that. Uh, they've talked about Lewis Riddick. Uh, they've talked yep. uh, about uh, Brian Greasy, um, guys of, of, of that nature, Dan Orlowski. Um It'll be interesting to see, and, you know, it's and again, it's a different era I mean, you know, you and I can harken back to when Monday Night Football was such appointment television, and, yeah. and I mean, it, I mean, it was basically the NFL's version of a rock show. Agree completely, and and I'll tell you um, now, and I, I'm not so sure it had to do with the fact that it moved from ABC to ESPN because of the way you know communications are nowadays. That's not necessarily an uneven comparison, uh, unless your team is playing on Monday Night Football. You don't really care, mm-hmm. and it's not an appointment. And I think any efforts that are made to get it back to being a show is what they need to do. And I think having the right people calling the game will do that. And they could they could uh, do much worse than Steve Levy because he could do anything. Yeah, and it you know and it, it is a different era. I mean, the football is on yes. virtually every night of the week. And then you look at that other aspect of, you know, I always come back to this. It's very interesting how, you know, they talk about how things change, but yet they still remain the same. You know, ne- you know, everybody's talking about how everything's going to streaming and everything's going to the, you know, to the ESPNs of the world, and things like that. But have you noticed how much the four networks are still relied upon because now ESPN is putting more of that stuff back on ABC. I find that very interesting. You're right. Uh, It's funny that when a hockey game is on, and I don't know if it's on NBC or NBCSN, and then I realize, you know, I've got the satellite dish on the roof, so I get all these channels. Of course, I pay for them. But I realize there are people out there with different systems and different deliveries, and maybe they've cut the cord. Maybe they don't have these NBCSNs and CBS Sports Networks and, you know, the, quote, secondary channels. Um, I think they're going to have to, especially this fall, you brought this up earlier, they're going to have to rely on both the big network and whatever goes along with that just to get all this product on the air. Yeah, I mean... You can even see Lifetime coming into the equation. <laughs> yes. Well, and keep in mind, NBC is owned by Universal, and they own the Weather Channel, and they own all these different cable networks. You could see, you know, like, like the Olympics, they end up on CNBC. Hockey playoffs are on CNBC. You know, that may be utilized come fall. It definitely could be. So, 
Well, Jay, the, over the last three months, uh, you know, how, how have you been faring? What, what, is, what, have, what has been your number one source of entertainment without sports? <laughs> I'd like to say watching old sports. <laughs> um, I, have, I can't tell you how many times I've watched the 91 World Series. Sorry about that. Um, it was I still can't a great tell World you how series. many Super Bowls I've watched, how many Stanley Cup final games I've watched, uh, some of them multiple times. But what I have done is I have started projects around the house. Uh. Since I'm mostly working from home and I don't have the hour commute in the morning and afternoon, so I'm gaining time back on my day. I am building fences. I am digging ditches. I am putting up retaining walls. I am trimming trees. I am painting inside the house. Uh, I like doing that stuff. It's, It's a therapeutic thing for me. But since I normally I would be sitting on my butt in front of the TV, you know, <laughs> watching a sporting event. And so luckily I found an outlet to do other things that take my mind off of it. But what I wouldn't give to see any, I'm watching Korean baseball, okay? Yeah. <laughs> any new sporting event on television in real time. Yeah, you know, it's mentioning, you mentioned the nostalgia sports that has been, you know, quite prevalent on uh, all the broadcast channels. And I have to admit, uh, you know, uh, I thought it would wear off and I think it's starting to a little bit, but, uh, but, you know, but, you know, when, when, when Fox sports, Florida has run some of these games from the glory days of the early Orlando magic, the very first game they ever played when they beat the Pistons in a preseason game that brought the roof down, uh, uh, to, you know, them beating Indiana to advance to the NBA finals you know, you sit there and watch it, man, it's hard not to kind of tear up a little bit. <laughs> I know. It's funny when uh, The Last Dance was on, um, it reminded me of uh, when I worked with you in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And one of my last days there, you got me a press pass to be on the floor for the pregame, and I stood five feet from Michael Jordan while he took jump shots. Uh, and it just reminded me, well, first of all, that's 27 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. And then I watched, you know, the uh, Magic beat the Bulls in the playoffs that year, and Nick Anderson stealing the ball from Michael Jordan wearing the wrong number. And uh, <laughs> remembering how great that felt and only to see them fall apart against Houston in the finals that year. What was your uh, overall take on the Jordan documentary? Really good television. Uh, Learn some things. I will confess to, I, I think he's an awful human being. <laughs> but an amazing, amazing basketball player. And I think we're talking apples and oranges if you try to say who's the best of all time. Because mm-hmm. LeBron's in the, and Kareem is, and hell, Bill Russell's one of the best of all time, and he never scored any points. Um, I, those are apples and oranges, and that's for people to, you know, have discussions about and argue about. No question, he's incredible and was worth all those championships. I just, you know, I he, he hasn't become a good uh, owner or manager of other teams since he left. Um, and you know, nowadays they call him a bully, but it worked. Right. And I guess that's okay. Yeah, and then you think about the the timing of being able to actually air this documentary in such a vacuum of space that people were dying for sports, 
that uh, it really, it, to me, it was pretty interesting to kind of get the younger generation to see what basketball was like back then. Yes, agree. Totally different. Agree. Yeah, especially when they, you know, when they had to play the Pistons, and that was basically, you know, uh, you know, fighting in a phone booth. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way of putting it. And Joe Lambeer getting clobbered, and <laughs> it, it was a totally different game. Yeah. Well, Jay, we always appreciate your visits to the show, and uh, we do thank you for your time, and uh, hope you continue to stay safe and stay well, my friend. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back with a TV tune for you and close out the show right after this. Five reasons why you should listen to or advertise with Captain and Company in the morning. One, just under four decades of professional broadcasting experience. AM, FM, online. Two, programming music you listened to before you settled down and started a family. Three, live every weekday morning just as reliable as your automobile. Four, no spin doctor here. I just can't pick stupid. Five, if you got this far, please go back to reason number one. Weekday mornings right here on your favorite online station. Our primary objective is to keep the groove. I got beach. Oldschool101.com. Forget about it. No one told you life was gonna be this way. Jobs joke you broke. Love has the old way. It's like you're always stuck in second Yeah, this week's TV theme from the mega 90s hit sitcom Friends as we chronicle the lives of Ross and Rachel, Monica, Chandler, Joey, and Phoebe as the young 20 to 30-somethings live life in New York City dealing with relationships, jobs, and all that good stuff. And a very, very funny show. Lots of quirky characters. You know, I would say Chandler was probably my favorite from the sarcastic point of view. But uh, Ross, played by David Schwimmer, had his moments as well. One of my favorites in that was when he could not find a an appropriate holiday costume. Couldn't be Santa Claus or anything like that. He was the holiday armadillo. <laughs> oh. It was so funny. And of course, the men loved Monica played by Courtney Cox. Rachel played by Jennifer Hanister and Phoebe played by Lisa Goudreau. You could put me in Team Phoebe. And of course, that was a great sitcom in the 1990s. Part of that Thursday night lineup on NBC that included Seinfeld. 
and has really garnered a great life in syndication, great resurgence in recent years. So you can find that on TBS many hours, many days. (laughs) And other places, I am sure, as well. Very big in the streaming market included. About to wrap things up for this week's edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for hitting that play button once again. As always, please follow me on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88. And if this is your first time along and you're not subscribing, please do so. We'd love to have you on board each and every week. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.